Hi guys, and welcome to Shine Your Light with TJ. This is a platform where we shine a light on our experiences and share some light or information you may not know. And tonight, I want to honor all the mothers here today. And we're gonna be talking about kids with special needs. And I'm excited to talk about this subject because it's very dear and true to my heart. It's a challenge that I face each and every day. It's something that's on the top of my prayer list for my child to do better, to be better, and not to be a statistic, <laughs> something crazy. And I have two special guests who knows how I feel and going through the same challenges that I'm going through. So tonight I want to introduce two of my good friends, Miss Twala and Miss Brandy. Say hello to everybody. Hi. Hi everybody. <laughs> How are y'all doing today? I'm good, are you? I'm doing well. So before we get into our own journey and our stories about our children, I want to just give examples of what special needs are. And the special needs can range from autism and Asperger syndrome and cerebral palsy and Down syndrome and ADHD and ADHD. And these are very serious things. I think a lot of people kind, kind of shun them or don't think it is as important or is really, or they're scared of it. And they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to hurt feelings or they don't know what to ask. And tonight we, we're going to just end all of that. We're going to tell you what it is what to do and what not to do <laughs> so we can be better to each other and to the kids. So tonight I'm going to be speaking about my daughter who has ADHD. Ms. Twal is going to be speaking about her daughter who has Down syndrome. And Ms. Brandon is going to be speaking about her child who has ADHD and autism. So Ms. Twal, I'm going to give you the floor first. So tell us your journey with your daughter with the Down syndrome. You can start from pregnancy into where you are now. Sure. So um, first of all, thank you so much for having me and um, for allowing me to share my story. Um, my daughter, Cassie, is six years old and she has Down syndrome. Um, so I wasn't fully diagnosed during my pregnancy. Um, pretty much they, there were some markers that they said when they did my, um, 20 week checkup, um, that, you know, made them think that it potentially could have been Down syndrome. Um, but they had to do like an amniocentesis, which for those who don't know, is a pretty evasive procedure and could potentially harm the baby, um, for them to come up with a definite, um, diagnosis. And so my husband and I, we opted out of that. We said, regardless of the fact we were keeping her and we were gonna love her and it was gonna be fine. So we just decided to wait until we had our daughter. <clears throat> so what was really interesting was from the time when, you know, they identified these markers and pretty much told me the likelihood was pretty high that she would have Down syndrome. I got a series of calls 
I remember being at work and my phone wouldn't stop ringing between specialists and my OBGYN contacting me, letting me know that I had a certain period in which that I could terminate the pregnancy. Um, so this, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. They so wanted so to terminate dream, the pregnancy? Yes, to terminate oh, the wow. pregnancy. Oh, um, wow. There was very little talk or support of what children with Down syndrome could do. Um, it was pretty much like a doom and gloom kind of situation of how they were just like, you know, she's going to have, you know, challenges and X, Y, and Z and the state of Virginia will allow you to terminate, I think up to 24 weeks or something at that point. And I said, no, and stop calling me. And it was um, very stressful and emotional because I was trying to deal just with what was going on and I was being prayerful just not knowing you know if she really was going to even have it so um so yeah so that was my um experience while pregnancy I had a pretty healthy pregnancy um although I had a lot of morning sickness like many moms and um and then I delivered her around about well, it was about 27 weeks when um, my mucus plug came out and I wow. knew I was about to go into labor and I was hospitalized and they put me on bed rest for 10 days um, until finally I fully dilated and they couldn't hold off the labor anymore. And so she was born at 28 weeks um, and she spent three months in the NICU um, so that's a whole process in mm, this is um, heavy <laughs> <laughs> you said let's get real <laughs> I, I was bringing I wasn't expecting this but okay <laughs> yeah so she spent three months in the NICU um, she had some she had like a PDA issue with her heart um, which was pretty common um, especially for a premature baby um, and that she had to have a procedure of surgery for. Um, she had um, duodenal atresia, which is like a blockage in her intestines. Um, and that was one of the markers for Down syndrome. And they were able to um, operate on that as well and take care of that. So during her time in the NICU, she had three surgeries. And um, and it was a rough time. It was really a rough time. Um, you know, once she was born, we were able to get the definitive um, blood test and it came back that she had Down syndrome. Um, they also are able to tell you um, what type. So I think there's, um, for the general type that she has and what 95% of the population have, um, it's pretty much, um, something that's not so it's not hereditary and um so it wasn't something like you know because of our genes that she got that um and just to let people know a little bit about down syndrome basically it's a genetic disorder and it's where the child develops an extra 21st chromosome so a typical child will be born um with two <laughs> where um down syndrome they will have three 
and um, hence the name when they call it trisomy 21. It's because of the third chromosome, the third 21st chromosome. And um, so Down syndrome can cause mild and moderate, mild to moderate um, physical and developmental um, delays. And so um, just, you know, wrapping my head around that, it was a process. <laughs> um, so now she's six years old. Um, she has, I mean, she just wows me every single day because everything that I was told about Down syndrome versus what I see, it has been a totally different experience. Um, so, you know, you hear, like, there were times where I've heard people say, well, you know, those are the people who are greeters in the, um, in the Walmart or who are checking out <laughs> items at the grocery store. Uh, I have learned so much from kids with Down syndrome going to college, kids from Down syndrome later on getting like even um, master's degrees, get, being uh, in a professional setting, um, being able to, you know, have their own families. I mean, it's just, it, it's a range. And, and I'm not going to say that every child is going to be or will operate in the same capacity. But one thing that I really learned was with support, you know, having the proper support, whether it was occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, um, you know, other tools and modifications to help her academically, um, having advocates and, and just being a mom that's super involved. Um, you know, with all that support, I definitely feel like my daughter Cassie will be successful in however, whatever God wants for her. So that's wow. the gist. <laughs> that was I'm speechless <laughs> okay so let, let's go back so when you found out that it's a possibility that your child may have some Down syndrome and I think we all have been in that category because we all have to take that test Right. what was your thought process because they really didn't give you a definite yay or nay right so I mean what was you thinking how was you I think thinking? so I think initially um I mean I think initially I went through a phase where I like mourned the child that I thought I was having um because I'm such like a type personality and I, you know, just immediately had all these ideas, you know, once I have my daughter, I'm going to, you know, have her do this, have her do that. And, and that hasn't changed. I mean, I still have her very involved and she does a lot of different things, but it's just now having the patience. So I think it was just really leaning on my husband, my family, support networks um, and the Down syndrome community and just really learning to have the patience and just let go and just let God have his way in what was going to happen and how right. she's going to function. Um, but initially it was really tough. It was, um, it was tough. I can't imagine then to get the phone calls to tell you when are you going to terminate your pregnancy? because she has Down syndrome, that is, 
That right. had to be devastating. Right. And to that point, so one of the organizations that I'm heavily involved with is the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. Um, and that organization provides support and helps medical um, experts to be able to give a more proper diagnosis um, to parents. But it has been so interesting. I've talked to several moms from all over the world, and that's the kind of experiences they have gotten. And um, so is that a common practice that if they find out this is what is next on their list? To I offer? think it's. I think it's. Um, you know, ignorance, and I. And even though these are medical professionals, right. I think you know they're not, you know, maybe as engaged in the Down syndrome community to understand and to see the potential that our children have and all that they can accomplish. So because of that, I think, um, you know, organizations like DSDN does what they can, do what they can to help educate those medical professionals. And, um, but that is, it's very common. Wow, that, that has to change. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to come back to you, 12. We're going to. Okay. (laughs) That hurt my heart. Yeah. Randy, tell us about your journey, sweetheart. Um, Well, my my son started about two um, before we got the autism diagnosis. I thought it was, you know, terrible too. I'm like, okay, terrible too. He'll be over it. I'll let him get to three and we'll be. But it was, his speech was a little delayed and um, daycare was like, excuse my language, it was like hell. Like he would go there and like just tear stuff up because he couldn't, at that time I didn't know, but he wasn't able to communicate his feelings. So he would get frustrated. And so aggression was the way that he, got it out so um I didn't think anything of like I said I thought terrible twos when we got to three I said okay something's not right so um I took him and we went to um Genesis it's a um it's a Christian based um counseling center and they do like you know diagnosis and counseling and so I took him there and um the first diagnosis we got was (laughs) oh ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder, which to me basically they're telling you your child is bad in a nice way, because that's what it is. Oppositional defiant. And they got a name for it. Yeah, they're telling you your child is bad in a nice way, and they said ADHD. So I'm like, okay, I can possibly get with the ADHD, but my child is not bad. He's a very lovable child, but there's just no gray area with him you're either going to get him at zero or you're going to get him at 100. It's no in between. So I I mean, him being bad, I didn't, ODD, I didn't accept that. So we waited. um, I let it go till he was in pre-K and um, it was more problems. Um, Before pre-K though, he had got removed from like two or three different daycare centers. Um, Like he was tearing the place up. He was being aggressive with the people, putting his hands on people. And um, the day that I really knew that I needed to find out what was really going on, I went to pick him up from pre-K. They called me and um, told me that I need to come pick him up. And I got to the school and he was in a room 
with two police officers, an empty classroom with two police officers. This is in pre-K. An empty room with two police officers because his teacher was Y'all pregnant. Are... <laughs> Y'all are killing me right now. <laughs> his teacher was pregnant. He had kicked her and he oh had knocked over a um he had knocked a, a, a MacBook off the desk, a computer off the desk. So that warrant two police officers and pre-K? He was really aggressive at four years old. So that was my thoughts exactly. And when I got to the school, I was so upset. And I'm like, how 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 do y'all let this happen that y'all can't control a four-year-old? And I come to pick my child up and he's in here with a empty room with two police officers. Like that was devastating. Oh my so god. There, something. So they at that point, they was they were like, okay, well, we know you had them tested one time. Let's go back to the table and let's do some more testing. So that's what we did, and we got them tested again for the second time and the second diagnosis was they took the ODD off they came back with the autism and still the ADHD okay so that's how we got to that point but it's 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 been a struggle um he's no longer in um public school anymore um they couldn't handle him Hampton City Schools they basically I don't want to sound mean but they basically they banned him yeah yeah, they, they, they asked because we went on 4K. They put him, once we got the autism diagnosis, they put him in special needs class. So he went special needs class in 4K, went to kindergarten, special needs class. Kindergarten, he was in a self-contained class with seven kids. And um, they couldn't control him. He would run out of the building. He would knock stuff over in the classroom. And it was a lot they couldn't control them so we went from full days to half days and from the half days they basically said we can't do this anymore Miss Rogers like we have to find him some other type of placement because we just don't have the we can't handle him we just don't have the, the people we just don't have like they couldn't they didn't have the resources basically to handle him so my baby was basically in kindergarten homebound like he was having a, like I had to I was here, I had to eventually end up being a stay-at-home mom, a single stay-at-home mom and dad, oh, wow. and dad to, um, to basically get him where he needed to be, to advocate for him, to beat the pavement, knock on doors, figure out what I needed to do to get him on the right path. So he was homebound for a couple months. Then they came, the school board came back and said, okay, well, we got his diagnosis. We got his plan together so we can try to find him a program. They sent me to the Center for Autism, which, I mean, I don't know if you all are familiar with that. It's a school for kids with autism, but it's like one of the, the, the more extreme cases. So mm-hmm. let me go back. When I heard the diagnosis autism, it was devastating because I only knew of the extreme cases. I didn't know that... This, as far as the spectrum goes and there were other types of, you know, I just thought the extreme case, the kids that can't speak, the kids in wheelchair, like right. that's what I thought. So I'm like, wait, whoa, can we go back? But his is more, um, he has more behavioral challenges. So that's where he is. is. So the Center for Autism wasn't a good match for him because again, it's, it's more extreme cases and I didn't want him to, I wanted him to move forward. So um, we eventually found the school that he's at now, which is a private day school. And they deal with kids with like behavioral problems, emotional 
problems, things like that. So it's it's more of his speed. Um, he's been there since kindergarten and he's thriving. Um, it took a while to get him where he needs to be. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom again for two years trying to get the ball rolling. Um, I didn't work um, because I wanted to be home with him. And even now it's a challenge for me because I can't, like, I want to work a nice to five like everybody else, but I can't. For the simple fact, he doesn't do well in groups. So we try him in, in different therapeutic um, after school day treatment programs. He can't, he doesn't function well in groups. Oh, wow. So maybe like after two or three days, they would be like, no, he can't, we can't handle him because his, his behaviors can be, they can be really extreme. Um, starting off, it would take you anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, depending on whatever triggered him just to calm him down. And during the process of calming him down, like he's terrorizing the place, um, throwing things, knocking things over um i've had to chase him he's ran out of my house i've had to chase him around the neighborhood um <laughs> oh wow brandy oh um another thing that has helped him is speech therapy he did speech therapy in um kindergarten first and second grade um because they felt like you know maybe if he could communicate better he would know how to express himself and wouldn't have to take it out in aggression, which it definitely, it has definitely helped because in the beginning, like, now I could understand him because he's mine and he's here with me all the time, but an outside person coming in, you could probably only understand maybe 40, 45% of what he was saying. So it was hard for you to understand him. Now, <laughs> you can't get him to stop talking he's very knowledgeable about a lot of things like he's very smart like you would have never known and even now when I tell people he has autism they like autism but you you would never know it because it's his behaviors that's what and he can and I don't understand why he can control his behaviors in some settings and can't in other settings but school is one of the settings that he cannot control his behavior in um, he doesn't really have, like, they say a lot of kids with autism have triggers. With my son, he doesn't really have specific triggers. It could be anything at any moment that could set him off. Um, he's gotten way better. He's gotten way better. Like, this, the school he goes to is excellent. Um, they communicate with me. Um, they don't call me to pick him up. They'll give me a report at the end of the day. So they basically do their job with these children. Mm. Um, they're not calling you 30 minutes after you drop them off and we can't deal with them. And so it, the school has been a blessing. It's been a blessing that I, that I have the agency paying for it because it's a really expensive program that I don't have to worry about, you know, paying for. All I have to do is show up to a meeting every six months and that's awesome. You know, so it, it's been a blessing. Um, my mom, she has been a big support. Um, I haven't really gotten into like the um, different autism communities. I've kind of just been like advocating for my for my son for myself, and it's 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 worked thus far. Mm. Ooh, okay. Well, we is we getting real. <laughs> we are getting real. <laughs> well, I guess it's my turn. Um, 
I guess I'll st- I'll start from pregnancy. Pregnancy was very hard with Nichelle. I was sick. I was throwing up. I couldn't hold anything down, and I knew it was serious when I stopped throwing up water. So the doctor was like, "I would need you to come on, <laughs> come on in." <here." laughs> so, um, in order for me to eat, I had to take suppositories. And I was like, so if I didn't take a suppository a day, I'm throwing up everything. So it was a rough pregnancy. I was on bed rest because I was either dehydrated or not eating enough. My feet were swollen, you know, typical pregnancy stuff. Um, so fast forward, she was late. She was two weeks late. They induced her. I, I wanted to be the mom to try to, to do natural. Right. <laughs> but uh, Pitocin is the devil. And that went out the window. So epidural was my friend. I didn't do my research on epidural. I just needed relief. And it relieved me. <laughs> so um, fast forward to about two. Um, I noticed that if I was to hold her, she would never look me in my face and she always wanted to get down and she was just everywhere. So I'm just thinking like you, she's a two-year-old, terrible twos. And at this time from baby to about two, uh, my husband's grandmother was watching her. And I'm like, okay, her language should be a little bit more than what it is. I said, so we need to get her around some kids. So at that time, my church had a, um, a daycare. And so we put it in there and I knew they were good with kids. They love kids. I mean, I have seen them do miracles with babies saying, you know, just the word Jesus. And you know, like, they don't say nothing else. <laughs> but they, they know the word Jesus. I was like, hey, I'm here for it. So we get her in there. Um, I can't say I was satisfied with her word growth, but I was like, uh, it's okay because she's two. She knows the common words. She knows mama, daddy, some of the ABCs. So I'm not really putting too much stock in it. It's like she's two. So about three or four, not a really much vocabulary, but then again, I'm like, I'm not really putting too much stock in it. So we get to pre-K and her teacher was like, Nichelle is not with the other kids. She was showing me like their works and what they do in class and what Nichelle does. And I was like, okay, we just have to work harder. So they moved her up to kindergarten. And her kindergarten teacher stuck it to me. She was rude with it, but it, it was an eye opener. Um, she was like, your daughter's behind uh, with her vocabulary, with everything, with just basic, not writing, because I wasn't writing at the time, but drawing anything. She said, look at this kid's paper. Look at this kid's paper this is your daughter. And I was like, I think I cried. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? Okay. 
what do you want me to do? I don't know what to say, because at this point, I don't know. So I was like, and I'm noticing little things. She's, she was five, but she was an angry little five-year-old. Mm. And I was like, and it, it always seems it was towards me. If you go to her class or she was with anybody else, she was little angel. So I just thought, okay, maybe she just don't like me, but something is wrong and I don't know what it is. So my mom at the time was working with a neuropsychologist and I was like, can they do a testing? Cause I also wanted to test during school with renewable public schools, it takes forever to get results. So I was like, let me try to get ahead of this. I had my mom's um, doctor to do it. He wasn't supposed to, but God bless him. He did it anyway. And that's when he brought up the ADHD. And I was like, to me, you hear that all the time in our culture. So I was like, oh, she just hyper, <laughs> she just hyperactive. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. And so when I got her results back from school, they said the same thing, you know, they give you the plan of what they're gonna do with the speech therapy and all this other stuff. So I said, okay, so I went to her doctor. I was like, her tests are coming back saying she's ADHD. And he was like, you know, explain to me what you see with her on the daily basis. So I went down that road. He was like, well, is she hyper? I said, she's very hyper. I can't get her to focus. If I do, it's only for a few minutes and she's off to something else. And it's, and it's frustrating. He was like, well, this is what we're gonna do. He said, we can give her Ritalin for school and that, and so my husband was like, no. We're not giving her Ritalin because all we know about Ritalin is that the kids are walking around here like zombies. He said, I don't want my daughter like a zombie. And I was like, well, we got to do something. She's not <laughs> paying attention. So I was trying to ask questions with co-workers and family members and everybody was like, just beat her. She just not she doing, she's doing what she want to do. She knows she's smart. Just beat her. Get her focused. And I was like, and that's all I knew at the time was, you know, if your child ain't doing what it want, you know, let them know. I was like, I'm beating her. Nothing's changing. Something is definitely wrong with my child. And I don't know how to help her. I don't know what it is. So the doctor sat us down. He was like, yes, there's a bad stigma on Ritalin. He said, because a lot of mothers had to say, get the highest dosage, dosage that they can so they don't have to deal with the kids. So it does get them in that zombie state or a sleeping state. <laughs> so he was like, we're gonna do 20. We're gonna do, give her 10 in the morning and 10 in the afternoon. And that should last her to school. It's not gonna make her a zombie, but it's gonna kind of slow her down where she can pay attention, which it did. He said, she doesn't have to be with this, on this for the rest of her life. He's like, because as she grows, it's going, things are going to shift. Things are going to change. And I was like, okay. So we did it. And you can tell a difference when the medication, it wore, it wore off every day about 5.30. So 5.30, 
a bad time I had to deal with this hyper active <laughs> child. And I'm not gonna lie, sometimes on the weekend I did pop for a while. Like, look, I just need <laughs> need you yeah. to be calm that free zone. Especially if we were going around people, you know, I just I didn't want her to get out of hand. So I started doing my research on what is ADHD because all they everybody talked about is she's hyper. And I was like, she's hyper, but she's not retaining information she's not learning information she's not comprehending things like a common thing i can say you know brandy go get me some water and when when you get the water bring me the brush i couldn't throw too many things at her because it would confuse her and not knowing that was frustrating her and so therefore she couldn't articulate her frustration and like with yours, Brandy, there came aggression. Yeah. Bad aggression. <laughs> aggression. And I think the one that stood out for me the most, and <laughs> my dad just had a conversation with me, like the day before, he was like, look, these kids ain't like how you grew up. You know, people out here that call the police on you start spanking your kids. He's like, so, you know, you spank them, <laughs> spank them in your house. But don't, you know, tear them up <laughs> out there in public. I was like, oh, okay, Dad, whatever. Because I always felt like I had to partner her because she wasn't listening <laughs> to anything or anybody. And we went to a carnival, and she had an episode, and it was bad. And all I can hear is my dad's, don't be her. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't, and she's tearing my head up. She is screaming. And the thing is, with you dealing with kids with ADHD, you have to have patience. You have yeah. to talk calm because your reaction sets them off. Yep. And I didn't know that until later on. So my reaction, because she wasn't doing what I wanted her to do, was making me angry, and I'm angry with her. Now she's angry because she can't articulate what is what. So we were just two people in the house always going at it. And my poor husband was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I was like, I don't know either. So... <laughs> And then um, through school, Michelle be 16 in June. Wow. This has been an ongoing thing, but it has shifted. So now she's third grade. So the hyper have calmed down and I have weaned her off the Ritalin. Because um, at this time, I think, where did I? I went somewhere else for a testing. In the only ADHD, they go to counseling. And in these counseling sessions, uh, they ask some very deep questions to your kids. And you can't say anything. You just have to listen. And my child was really going through. She knew something was different with her. Uh, she was sad and she was mad at me. And I, I can't react. I got tears down 
my face and like I'm part of the problem. So I had to start educating myself on how to deal with kids with ADHD. So if you have a kid, you get diagnosed, you do have to go, if you get in the right program, they, you have to go to a dietitian. you have to go to counseling sessions. You're gonna have to hear the hard truths from your child. It's not easy because you think you know you're doing the best that you can there's no no manual to tell you because every kid is different it hits kids differently so it may be different for my friend and my situation is totally different so whatever her advice was didn't help me at all <laughs> so with that third grade Norfolk school started shutting down and they started merging kids to the schools that were remaining open. So we went from a classroom that was 12 and they can be split up in small groups where it works for Nichelle, now to a class of maybe 24 to 32. Now teachers don't have time for small groups or one-on-one. And by this time, I think I was pregnant with my son and I was on bed rest and a little sickly. So I wasn't really hands on with Nichelle. And what really got me, she failed that year. I know she did. And they was gonna pass her anyway. So they called me in the meeting and I thought the meeting was tell me, hey, your kids not doing but when you have ADHD since they can't comprehend reading they struggle with math they struggle with English science they just can't can't get unless they have like a one-on-one type of thing where kind of break down for them so she she failed terribly so I thought they were going to tell me that, and you know, I'm already on mom guilt, like, you know. And they was like, no, we're just going to up her, her what, her EP? We're going to up her EP. We're going to do another plan. I said, so you're going to move her to fourth grade? <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I don't want my child to fail, but she ain't getting it in third grade why are we going to move her to the fourth grade? And when fourth grade is going to be harder. And it's like, apparently these plans are not really working when you got 20 to 32 kids in the classroom. Y'all didn't work out that plan either. So I had to have a hard talk with my husband. I was like, I don't think she's ready for fourth grade. I said, I think we're going to have to hold her back. And it was breaking my heart because it's not like my daughter at the time was blending in with the kids. My talk, she was tall for a third grader. So if she was to get held back, she was going to stand out. So I was like, God, how are we going to do this? And my mother-in-law, and I think one of his cousins says that his, their kids went to a place called Park Place School. And I've heard about it. It had shut down for a while, but they said it was back open. So I went there and they specialized with kids with ADD and ADHD. It's a smallest setting. They have one-on-ones. They have different um, 
people that team up with though, like with Regent and ODU to do the studying of ADHD. They have people to come in to really be hands-on, like be their advocate. They understand. And so the thing is, she had to take another test. I was like, oh, <laughs> do good in tests. <laughs> Like Michelle, just do your best. And the teacher was like, the principal was like, you're absolutely right. She is not ready for fourth grade. She's like, she's not even ready for third grade. She has a second grade understanding reading level. And I was like, okay. She's like, so yes, I would suggest that you put her back in third. And they had a plan. And we worked she worked and I love Park Place and it was supposed to end at fifth grade but God just kept adding grades <laughs> to the school and I was like yes so she got all the way up to eighth grade eighth grade now she's in ninth and she has to go to public school so after I thought we have conquered this ADHD she's coping with it she she knows what she needs to do now we're back in public school and we are back at the beginning you know the pandemic came shut the schools down and that was one of my concerns because kids with ADHD they don't like change they they have a routine and when that's this when you break their routine it's like you just get ready for war. Yeah. Built down, it's crying, it's a frustrated, it's not a nice process to go. So I was trying to prepare her. Like, look, when you get into ninth grade, it's gonna be new school, new kids, new teachers. And I was like, we might have to start your testing again to see where you are, where you need help in. And she's struggling this year. But the difference is she knows where her struggles are and she goes out and gets help. She still doesn't come for me for help. Some things, because we had a conversation. I'm a trigger for her. And that was because in the beginning stages as a mom, I didn't know how to handle her. So my frustrations with her trigger her and got her very angry. So if I yell or I do certain things, it brings her back there and then she shuts down. So it's it's a trying <laughs> time because it's like she's 15. So she I don't want to be mama bear and hover over her because she's teenage. So I have to learn how to balance. But at the same time, you don't want to see your kid fold under pressure or be scared to ask for help. And the, the sad part about this is that she doesn't seek me for help. And it's like, I'm not the one helping her, but other people are. So it's like, I can't be too upset, but at the same time, I am a little sad and it makes me cry sometimes. It's like 
I felt like it was my fault. I think that Pitocin did it. <laughs> it was off of that alphadural, all that medication, like, and I carried that fear. It's like, it was my fault. And the doctor's like, no, it's not your fault. It's a common thing. But you carrying this child for nine months, it was just you and her in your belly and you eating things or taking medications and you don't really know where it, you know where it's still from, you do take on that responsibility. Like I did something wrong to make my child this way. So that is my journey. It's not as serious <laughs> as the both of you, but it's still a journey. It, it shows up differently. So, Twala, because I know with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. it affects their physical as well. Do your daughter feel like she's different or feels different like when she's around other people? So because she's six, mm-hmm. I don't think she fully grasps it. But for instance, so my daughter's in a general education um, kindergarten class. So that's a kindergarten class with all typical students. We fought very hard to make sure she was fully included. Um, And she does get some special ed services. Mm -hmm. Now, when she's in the class with her gen ed, ed, you know, students, she definitely notices that, you know, the kids you know, are more talkative, they're catching things quicker than her. So you can tell like whenever, um, cause she's virtual right now, whenever she has to unmute herself and talk, you can see the expression on her face. Like, you know, she'll get a little shy at first and um, just the confidence, just not feeling because she can tell, I think that she's different. Um, now when she's in her sped small circle classes virtually, um, I definitely see her, you know, speaking up more. Um, and I even witnessed like when she was in pre-K and stuff and we went and she was in, we did a sped program and we also had her in a private, um, general ed pre-K program. So she did two days at each. When I would go to the sped program, she was like the mama, like, helping everybody trying to tell them what to do you know all that sort of stuff and then when she was with the typical kids in gen ed it was definitely her being more shy you know um and and we're trying to work through that um we're trying to work through that but i don't think she fully grasped it i've read books to her um that are you know age appropriate about down syndrome and um I think she kind of gets it, but I don't think she understands that she has right. it. And, and I think, you know, um, as she gets older, you know, we'll continue to have the conversation, but we just try to nurture and love her and embrace all her milestones whenever they come. And, and that's where that patience comes in. <laughs> you do have to have patience. You really have to put your feelings and your thoughts and what you've been taught aside and get on your kids level and I know a lot of people like you shouldn't be on your kids level but when you have kids with special needs you kind of have to get in their thinking space (laughs) to understand how they feel why they communicate the way they do or try to communicate so they feel comfortable 
if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. So do your son understand what's going on with him, Brandy? Um, he definitely does at this point. Um, he'll be 10 next week. So he's definitely he definitely has a better understanding of um what's going on he definitely has a better understanding of him having autism but one thing i try to teach my because i have a 19 year old who has type 1 diabetes since he was six years old so he's jamari is not my only child with a disability but i try to teach my children don't ever in life use your disability as a way to you know get through life don't don't use so i don't allow him to use that so he knows but at the same time he knows mama still don't play <laughs> you still gonna you know it's nothing's changed you know you're still gonna get on punishment you're still gonna get disciplined now my only thing is i don't because he's aggressive I don't like to be aggressive with him. So I had to try to find another way other than spanking. Because I'm like, I'm teaching my child not to put his hands on people and I don't want him to be aggressive. But when I get frustrated, here I am spanking him, teaching him the same thing. So I had to find other ways of discipline, taking things away um, when he gets frustrated, redirecting him to help me do something. Just other ways. Um, I, I even had him in karate one time and I said, I don't think he's ready because he doesn't understand that this is teaching him discipline. All I feel like he's seeing is the aggression, the fighting, the, um, so he's, he's not, he's not understanding. So I don't want him to go to school thinking, okay, well, I did this in karate. I can go to school and do this. this no, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Right. I mean, when you have a child that's aggressive like right. that, you have to be very careful of the things that you open them up to and the things that you allow them to see because you don't want them to think it's okay when you're trying to break that habit. Right. So that's been the biggest thing for me. Like now, like he doesn't put his hands on people, but he would tear some stuff up. He will throw stuff, um, punch stuff. Um, yeah, he, he will get aggressive. The only thing, like I said, he would not put his hand, well, he has not put his hands on people a lot. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, he won't put his Clear hand that on up. Right. He won't put his hand on another child, but he's been known to um, try to try to attack the teachers when they try to calm him down. But he will not, because he's so big, he's only nine, but he looks like he's like 13. So yeah. he's way bigger than everybody else, so he does not he will not put his hand on another child but he does um tr- b- get with the teachers a little bit when they try to get him to calm down he will get kind of aggressive with them right but it's, it's um but i can definitely relate to what you're saying as far as the um the change in routine because this whole year this pandemic we were getting his behaviors on track and then this pandemic came and took the kids out of school so it's been back and forth with him because he's been out of school then he went back to school he's been out so now he's back in so um my concern was him going back in him being aggressive which he's known to be have been aggressive um when he has a change like that Uh so we just decided instead of doing a five-day week we're gonna do a three-day week and you know just so we can wean him back in 
But then here we are at the end of the school year, so we're going to have to start all over in September. So it's just been a struggle this last year. Right. Because I know with ADHD, there is no cure for it. It's just um, some of it will, will shift and she will have to learn how to cope. Because right now, she doesn't have the hyperactivity. Right. But she does um, struggle with paying attention sometimes, following direction, um, following through with tasks. Like she may start something, but really don't complete it. And so, with autism, will he change with the aggression as he gets older or will... Um it's he will definitely grow out of some of the aggression just depending on um i think he'll grow out of some of the aggression but you he has the adhd too so everything you're going through with your daughter i experienced with my son like verbatim word for word what you're saying i experienced that then you throw the autism on and it's like okay what do i do is he gonna get better they I'm the parent that refuses medication. I don't want him on any type of medication. I've had him, they put him on different types of, because here's the thing, autism doesn't have a medication. You, it's no kind of treatment for autism as far as meds go. Okay. So they're basically just treating the ADHD. ADHD. So they're giving him all of these antipsychotic. I mean, they were trying to give him meds at five and six years old. And I, I think I'd let him go on two. But with one medication, he would fall asleep in class. And then they put him on a different medication. And it made him aggressive. So after that second one, I said no more. So he hasn't been on meds since he was probably in the second grade. So I was, I'm the parent that says no to me. It's don't ask me because the answer is no. We're going to figure out another way. Like he's been in play therapy. We've done that. He's been in regular therapy. Um, he's had um, the in-home people come in. He had a counselor come in here like three days a week um, spending time with him. So like I've exacerbated all the resources that I possibly could to keep him off meds. So he has not been on meds in a, a long, long time because I just... I don't think that because I think it does something to them mentally. Like when you put your kids on them, I don't know. That's just me. So I just oh well, the real one. It didn't. I guess because I didn't keep her up there as long. If that makes sense, um, she only did it for maybe for a year, and plus there it was very low dosage. Right. Um, because it started off as twenty milligrams, ten in the morning, ten in the afternoon, and then I reduced it to ten, so she would get five in the morning and five in the afternoon, and right. then um we started going to different um counseling sessions and stuff, and it was telling us pretty much how to deal with her and give her structure because you have to give them yeah. structure and you have to be on that's the biggest every thing. day yeah. that's the biggest thing is that that structure part like it without a routine and without that structure your day can go from <laughs> zero to 100 before you leave the house <laughs> So, well, my daughter, definitely we need structure. We don't have as much um, the behavioral aspect, but for her to be able to 
participate and be engaged. She's got to know what's next and, you know, what is asked of her and what she's got to do for this 15 minutes and what's the next 15 minutes. Because if you throw her a curveball, she'll just not want to participate. She'll just just say nothing. Is it easy for your kids to make friends? Um, my son is scary to me because he's overly friendly. Like he, he, <laughs> he, he loves to make friends. He loves to talk. He, he's very, um, social now that he, his speech is on track. So sometimes it's like, look, everybody's not your friend. Like you can't, right. he will. And then he's like, um, being that my other son is older, he's like into like, being friends with older kids like he'll do the little kids but he likes to like teenage age or his age anything younger than that he'll do them he can tolerate them for a little while but because he's always been around older people he tends to make friends try to make friends with them more right same with my daughter she's um I mean, because of the COVID, you know, situation, we've really not really had her around any other little kids now. But even prior to that, she's connected more with adults or older, you know, teenager. Like, and I, and I think it's almost like because she feels like, you know, she's very loving and she likes to hug all the time and she'll want to sit in your lap and even though she's six, she's really operating in the space of like a four-year-old. And so I feel like, you know, she feels like if you're a little kid, you can't help me. So she's not overly excited <laughs> That's about That's a good kid. point. Because yeah, all like, our kids I need somebody thinking. who's like older, like who give me something to eat, like take me to the restroom. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I need somebody that knows what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you six year olds don't know. <laughs> you don't know. That's true. I, I I have noticed that my daughter do gravitate to older people. And I, at first they worried me. Like, you should be friends with these older people. You need to have friends your age. <laughs> but she's like, mm, no. And it's, I'm like, is it hard for you to make friends? Because if you talk to people, they think she's the best thing since life's bread. But it's like, she just really gravitates to older people. So I, I'm good that it's a common thing because your kids are the same. <laughs> I was like, okay, how <laughs> to keep an eye on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they know they know who can help them and who can look out for them. They right. definitely know. Yeah. So, Miss Twala, what are the don'ts? <laughs> Should people know about? talking or dealing with somebody with down syndrome because i believe sometimes people mean well or they don't know what to say or how to act you know and they don't want to upset you so tell people what's the don'ts they should not do when they're around somebody with down syndrome or things they shouldn't say (laughs) so i think um the first thing is don't expect that they don't understand or don't expect that they can't do something. 
Um, it just may take them a little bit longer and it might take them a little bit more resources or accommodations to get there, but they will get there. And when they get there, they get there. Um, don't think that they're always happy, you know, because, you know, typically the stereotype with Down syndrome is they're always loving and happy and all that stuff. And generally my daughter, she's pretty friendly, but she's very sassy, very, very sassy and very clever. And um, they can get in trouble just like any other kid. They have their days just like any other kid, I would say. And then when you're talking to a parent, um, for me, I take it pretty personally. Like, I don't like when people say, you know, you have a Down syndrome child. Well, I have a child first. So she's a child with Down syndrome. And so, um, or when people try to say, you know, well, what did you do wrong? Or, you know, was it something that you ate? Or is it, will she outgrow they this? You that? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, yes. gee. Oh, no. Um, Those are fighting words. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, just knowing that, I mean, legitimately it was the act of God. And so, and I'm blessed. And actually in the Down syndrome community, the parents of a child with Down syndrome is known as the lucky few. And um, and I feel so blessed to be a part of the lucky few. When I tell you, I can't speak for the other communities, but I can speak for in the Down syndrome community, we have such a strong support. That's network. awesome. It's amazing. And, um, and we do feel, we do feel lucky. So, you know, if you see, if you talk to somebody and you find out, oh, their kid has Down syndrome or they're pregnant with a child with Down syndrome, don't just go, oh, I'm so sorry. Like nobody, it's not, I mean, to the parent, nine out of 10 times, they don't feel like there's anything to be sorry about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just different. It's not good or bad. It's just right. different. And um, so that's pretty much it. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Brandy, what are the do's and don'ts, especially the don'ts, when it comes to kids with autism? Um, because there's so many versions of autism or so many different types, there's I can't really speak for anybody else, but for me, like I said, you my son, you wouldn't know unless I told you. Or I used to be the parent on the aisle at the store, like, you need to get the kids having a meltdown. I'm like, they need to do something with that child. Um, that child's just bad. Just don't, you don't know what's going on on the next aisle. Just don't assume. You don't know right. what that parent's going through, what that child's dealing with. And, you know, I had to, like I said, I used to be that parent pushing the cart through the store, like, oh my God, oh my God. So now when it, when it happened to me or when it has happened to me, it makes you think like you you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what kind right. of day that person's had. You don't know what type of issues that child is dealing with. So just be mindful um, when you see somebody going through something with a ch- with a child. You know they might you might just want to. I've had people stop in the store and help me. Oh, like, oh that's God, good. You're having a meltdown. Can I help you do anything? Can I? I've literally had people, and that can make your day. Like to know that people are understanding and they're not judging. Because people do judge you. Like, when my child, like I said, his is behavioral. So when they see him having a meltdown, they're like, oh, my God, he's bad. She just need to go spank him, get him out of this store. But you, they don't, you don't know. 
Right. You don't know. So when somebody steps in and helps you, that that makes you feel good and it makes you know that not everybody is judging you. All right. I'm going to tell you my don'ts. Don't claim that you have ADHD. I hate when people say, ooh, girl, my ADHD is kicking in. That stares me up. <laughs> like, you don't know the half <laughs> what these people go through. You may have it. Have you been diagnosed until you have that piece of paper to say, I am ADHD? Don't you say it's kicking in because I'm about to kick you. <laughs> That's one. Two, if you have friends, family members who have ADHD and they say they're on medication, do not judge them. That is not the floor for you to give your opinion because you don't know what they're going through. Like I said, it shows up differently in different people. But one common thing with the ADHD, it is a lot of regression because they can't really articulate how they feel or they can't articulate and you don't understand how it feels because you get things you can do normal things you can understand a normal command you can do multiple tasks you can navigate through change they can't they can but it takes them time so if somebody comes to you with they said that their kids have adhd do not tell them that kids don't have ADHD and you just right. need to spank them. Excuse you, I'm gonna spank you. Okay? Do <laughs> you walk a mile in my shoes and <laughs> visit these doctors' right. and things and milk nails? It's just not, she's acting out. Sometimes they do act out. I mean, they're still normal, they're still normal teenagers, they're still kids. You just have to know the difference. Right. Don't say just beat them. Matter of fact, keep your comments to <laughs> yourself. Just say, you know what? I'm going to pray for y'all. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, what's another one? Because I always get. Don't tell me what you would do if your kids have ADHD. You don't know what you would do. Right. Just because what you see is this play of a version of ADHD may not be what's going to play out for you. It may be something that I can't even help you with and you have to make the best decision for you and your child in that moment. And the parents don't know we're, it's a learning thing because it changes. They grow out, out some stuff and they learn how to cope. And another thing I will say, um, just because my kid doesn't talk or she's withdrawn, that doesn't mean she's mean or bougie. It just takes them a while to warm up to people because a lot of people when they find out or maybe overheard that they have this, they bring it up as a joke or they say the term like, oh, I got ADHD too. Ain't nothing wrong with you. 
and they feel like we got nothing in common. You making straight A's right now. I'm over here struggling, making D's, possibly a D and some E's and things are coming. You don't have it. So just be mindful to what you say to these people and be mindful of your opinions to the parents because there is not a lot of, there are support groups. Let me take that back. There are support groups, but there's not a lot of support in the school system, one. Definitely. There's not a lot of, of support sometimes in the doctor's office. A lot of our Black kids hate to say they're on Medicaid or Medicare. So they're not, some of these are not really taking the time to inform the parent of the options that they have or what you need to do. They're just out there collecting that check and pushing medications. And that's why you got a lot of these kids out here on zombie life. You, the parent, have the control of the dosage right. if you use to put your child on medication. You can opt out. There's other things, but if you opt out of the medication, you're going to have to tap into some patience, <laughs> some prayer, and don't be so hard on yourself because you're going to mess up. You're going to get frustrated, and it's just a natural Thing, but you you get through it. Another thing is parents need to mothers or dads, whoever, need to um, advocate for their children more and be more aware and be yes. more involved. I've had people tell me like when I'm advocating for my son, like, oh my God, Miss Rogers, you're you're so involved and you and I'm looking at them like, is that like I'm not supposed to be or you just don't have enough people that are? Like you don't have enough people that are. Right, right. But that's not a compliment to me because it's, it's almost <laughs> embarrassing that, you know, more parents aren't involved and out here at, like, I had to leave my job. Like, that's one thing, that, that was one of the big, on top of dealing with a child with special needs and having to be a single mom, not knowing where your, your how your bills were going to get paid because you had to walk away from your job. That, I went through that. So, because I wanted to advocate for my son for myself, I didn't want anybody else telling me where to take him, what to do with him. Um, I wasn't taking anybody's first word at face value. I was going behind the scenes, doing my research. So that's something, that was one of the struggles that I had to deal with having a child with special needs because I'm, I am a single mom. I don't, there's no father in the picture. That That's very true. And I do find a, a lot of, um, not even kids with special needs, parents in general are just not with with the kids. Not being involved. Not at all. I'm there on parent-teacher conference. I'm looking at uh, grades. I'm asking questions. I mean, I make it known. You got a problem with her. Here's my cell. I will come up to the school or you pull up the speakerphone and I have done it and talk to her. I can't get there or you gonna feel on my right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I don't know why. I think a lot of mothers now are younger. And their moms <laughs> are young as well. And they don't have, I mean, my parents, well, somewhat involved. My mom was, my dad was there when he needed to be, but they were involved. 
But I'm just like, I have to be involved. I need to know what's going on with my kids right. at all times. And I, I don't play. She knows that. And when you have special needs kids, celebrate the small victories. Every single one. I don't care. I will tell you, my child, it was so... I was heartbroken going to these, what is they call award ceremony when you know kids get A on a roll and B on a roll. And I knew my child didn't get it, but she she wanted to see somebody in the audience. I recognize the face and say that they're for me. And she got, you know, the best improvement, stuff like that. I made the biggest noise as That's if right. it was an A on a row. Because you got to celebrate the small things. And Definitely. you encourage them. Because if you don't celebrate the small things, they're always going to feel like I'm doing less than something wrong with me. And I don't want her to ever feel that nothing's right. wrong with me. Just, you just need a little bit more time and a little more, more work and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is that a lot of us out here ain't haven't been diagnosed, but we we struggle the same <laughs> way. Right. <laughs> so I, again I thank you ladies. Tonight was an awesome conversation. I hope and pray that we have touched somebody who is going through the same thing to let them know you're not alone. People are out there going the same things with you. The kids are not alone. You just got to be advocates. You got to be that number one cheerleader. You got to, sometimes you got to show your ugly card. (laughs) This ain't the one. You got to get things done. So we'll start with you, Twala. Any advice? any tokens of love that you want to share with moms out there for Mother's Day because mothers, we go through a lot. We do. Special needs or no special needs. You got kids. <laughs> yeah. You go through it. And, you know, to me, Mother's Day is every day. Every day I wake up to see my ch- my children, that's a special day for me. I work for them. I want them to be better than me. I want to exceed and do the best of whatever God has for them. So, Twala, drop some nuggets out here for the mamas today. Well, I'll just start with from the mom who's pregnant with their baby and just got a diagnosis that possibly their child has Down syndrome. You know, consider giving your child a fighting chance. Get to know what things, you know, kids with Down syndrome are doing now, what young adults with Down syndrome are doing. Um, You know, you may have a lot of voices in your ear, but just know that God is faithful. And if you were blessed with that baby, it's for a reason. And you are the right mom and your baby is perfect just the way they are. And, um, and, and, And for parents who have kids, with Down syndrome as, you know, you're hitting those milestones where you're seeing your typical friends, their kids are walking at age one and your kid's not walking till three or they're not talking till four. Just know every single milestone is a major victory for them. 
they have to work 10 times as hard and they are doing it. They're doing the best that they can. So as much as you love and support them, take the breaks off what the doctor said was supposed to happen by this date. And just think about your baby is healthy, living, thriving, and is going to be somebody. And, you know, just take the pressure off. So that's my next. <laughs> okay, Brandy, you have some nuggets? Um, I would just say um, advocate for your child. Don't be afraid. Um, just don't let people um, try to downplay your struggle or your progress with your child. Um, if you feel like something is, is going on with your child, don't be scared to find out. Um, don't let the guilt, the guilt ate me up. Um, and it made me less reluctant to find out. So just just find out and deal with it and take it heads on. Your child will be just fine. I teach my son that you're not different. Um, you just have some different superpowers. That's it. But you're 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 gonna you're gonna be just fine. And like I said, my biggest thing just advocate, advocate, advocate. Because if you don't, the doctor, even the doctors, the educated people that you are supposed to trust they will throw out anything at you and you, you have to do your research and, and make sure what they say is what's what doctors can be wrong they can be wrong so it's your job as that child's parents to make sure that what you're being told about your child is what it is and and deal with it head on um, getting in some support groups. I'm not because, like I said, I've been an advocate for my son on my own. So um, I've been beating the pavement. I know of all kinds of resources because that's just how hard I worked at it. But some people may need um, go to a support group. Don't just don't be embarrassed about whatever needs your child has. Awesome. Uh, my nuggets will be just don't be it's not your fault don't lean into that guilt you didn't do anything wrong some things just happen and if that happens to your child do like brandy said do your research i would say to mothers watch your child learn your child i mean kids are supposed to do milestones but if you seeing they're not reaching certain milestones make note because those little things do matter because i i noticed it but i didn't say anything i just chucked it up to she's a two-year-old or she's a baby if you starting to notice little things say something talk to your doctors or talk to somebody that may be going through the same thing and do that um advocate for your kids support your kids celebrate the small victories let your kids cry it's okay don't tell them suck your tears up you gotta be tough no because you don't know what they're going through it's worse when you're not there and they gotta fight that battle by themselves in school and sometimes the teacher may not know what to do or how to handle or know their triggers you just got to instill some foundation with your kids and let them know that you're there for them show up when you need to show up stand back when you need to stand back because sometimes although they're kids 
they still learning and sometimes they need to fall and learn things on their own because you may not be here always. So they have to learn how to fight for themselves too. I fight with you, but you got to fight to want to do better and want more for yourself. So it just comes in stages. So that's what I say. You know, don't really don't blame yourself because I blamed myself for years. I did too. I did <laughs> for years. And it's it's still a struggle. I'm more at ease with it because she's doing much better than what it was in the beginning. Um, and then we want you don't gotta tell everybody that your kid has this problem. Some things it may show itself. If it does, you can politely explain. If you don't want to, you don't have to. You don't have to make excuses. Just tell them, hey, my child is going through something and just ask for prayer because everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody's going to tell you what you should do. I would have. Don't listen to that. Consult. Talk to your doctor. Pray about it. Do what's best for you and your child. And that is it. They, they got they can't say anything else <laughs> at this point. So I'm looking at some comments. And we had a lot of people that watched tonight. I don't know if y'all remember Veronica from high school. Veronica Clark. You should. Mm-hmm. She just said that her 13-year-old just got diagnosed with ADHD about two months ago. So oh. she was like, great convo. So great. I, I'm we just had a lot of people watching. Oh, your mom said something. She said she is Jamari's grandmother, and we have a total different relationship with me. So it's hard for her to accept his diagnosis. It, that it, was that was hard. It takes that a minute because it's such a bad stigma on it. When yeah, you hear Down syndrome and autism and ADHD, it nothing's happy about it. You don't want your child to have these symptoms and problems, but life, things happen. And I don't think God will do anything to harm them. Sometimes it's to help us, to make us stronger, to show us what we're made of, and they will be all right. (laughs) They're going to be all right. I think that was it. Well, that is our show, ladies. I thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to you both. I hope that your family has something great planned for you because you two deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) After the stories I heard, (laughs) make sure y'all kids do something special. Make sure you talk, make sure your husband do something special. If not, call me. <laughs> Same to you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I'm praying that your your day is special. Just pray over your kids and know that God got you in all situations. And if you have kids with special needs or you know somebody with special needs, I hope this conversation enlightened you. It informed you on how to move, what to say, what not to say, and what to pray for. So that ends the show, guys. So good night. Good night. Thank you.
You're welcome.